Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. That kid is back on the escalator again. Ain't gonna hurt. Is my boomstick. Game over, man. Game over. Welcome to the Bargain Bin. He is your host, Ben Mason. And he is your co-host, Sandra Lukatic. And today we're talking 1992's Under Siege. As always, we assume if you're listening to this episode, you have already seen the movie. I have seen this movie a lot. Not recently, but back in the day, this was regular rotation for me. Are you a Steven Seagal fan? No. Me neither. (laughs) He is terrible, dude. I don't understand how he got the status that he has. (laughs) Oh, Oh, had. Oh, okay, fair enough. Hard emphasis on had. I mean, he, I, I would still say has just in the sense that when people talk about, like, 90s action, he still comes up as a name. Yeah, but he tried to hang on and failed miserably. Yeah, he didn't, he definitely didn't have as long of a tenure as the other guys. No, he's also turned into a fat sack of shit who doesn't do anything in his movies. It'll be, like, starring Steven Seagal, and he's just in a chair the whole time. Like, he okay. He doesn't do anything anymore. However, early 90s, you have stuff like uh, Under Siege, of course, uh, Above above the Law, Out for Justice, uh, Marked for Death. These are all amazing action movies. But I, I really wanted to tackle a Seagal movie because we haven't done that yet. And I think this is the best one he's done. But I also picked it because of uh, the rest of the cast, who I think we both very much appreciate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's almost a necessity with Seagal, is to have a fantastic cast that's going to carry him through the rest of the movie. Yeah, that's a great point, because Mr. Zero Charisma here is not doing anything on his own. He's doing something. I just don't know if we can really establish what that is. He just, yeah, I don't know. He's decent at martial arts. Uh, I wish he would speak properly and not whisper all the time. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> I'm a cook. What? <laughs> okay. This is the biggest thing that bugged me throughout the entire movie. I'm just going to do it right now before we get into the plot. Okay. Is he using an accent? And if so, what accent is he using? And why doesn't he stay consistent with it throughout the movie? I have no idea. I can't answer that. It, it, it carries through all of his films. Like, there's parts of it where I'm like, it sounds like he's going for like a New Orleans draw. Oh, he does that sometimes for sure. But not all the time. No. And then it's like, is he doing a voice? Like, is his actual character doing a voice to like mock the guy he's talking to? I don't. Like, Whisper's not an accent, though he does that more than anything else. I don't understand. It's like the government created a lab baby and then realized they fucked up, but he had an ability to learn martial arts. They're like, well, I guess we can make movies with it. D- does he have an actual accent? Like, I don't know if I've ever seen him in an, in an interview or anything. Or does he just have like a straight American accent type thing? I don't know. I don't. If he spoke at a reasonable volume, I think you might be able to hear something consistently. But the way he speaks, like I said before, is in such strange whispers. 
that I think an actual accent wouldn't really come through. So you're getting bits and pieces of nonsense that just formulate the Seagal speech, whatever it is. I don't know. I don't know. This movie would have been better with Jimmy Bennett. No, it wouldn't. Fuck Jimmy Bennett. <laughs> don't even say that. <laughs> uh, Want to hop right in here? Yeah. All right. Uh, for an action film, we get a beautiful opening shot, which I'm not used to. Uh, I love this helicopter shot of the battleship uh, USS Missouri. Well, in name only. It wasn't that actually that ship, but namesake. Um I'm terrified of the ocean, but just seeing this massive battleship cruising through and just seeing the water rush up along the sides, it looks fantastic. It's a great establishing shot for what is the majority of our film. Uh, multiple cuts show us the daily operations on the ship and uh, give us some interest to the cast, notably Casey Ryback, played by Steven Seagal. Um Crew members are prepped and dressed for the birthday celebration of Captain Adams, played by Patrick O'Neill. Uh, in his quarters are uh, the commanding officers, including XO Peter Krill, played by Gary Busey. And now we know why you picked this movie. I love Gary Busey so much. <laughs> it's not a secret. Oh, he's so good. He's so good in everything. <laughs> like, okay, I don't remember a lick of this movie from when I saw it as a kid. Like, not uh, even the slightest. As soon as I saw Busey on the screen, because I didn't look up the cast ahead of time or anything, I was like, all right, I'm just going to watch it because Ben's talking about how good the cast is, and we'll see what we see. And as soon as I see him on screen, I'm like, there it is. <laughs> it all makes sense now. Yeah. But you have to admit, Busey is a fantastic, well, spoiler, well, you already saw the movie. He's a fantastic villain. I think in general, he plays a better villain. Agreed. Except for Ginger Dead Man. But that's another story. I uh, can't pretend that I've seen his entire filmography and I have not seen Ginger Dead Man. Yeah, you're better off. Uh, his character, um, Krill, obviously has a major hate on for Ryback. Although they don't really establish why. Uh, yeah, I was about to say that. I, I guess they just butt heads because they don't really cover any history there. And, I mean, as we see later in the movie, Krill is just discovering things about Casey as if he has no previous knowledge. Yeah, so it just seems like a petty grudge. Okay. But uh, the character Krill is very petty, so I, in a way it does make sense. Uh, apparently it's the 50th anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor. Uh, looking it up, 1991 when the movie was made, so that adds up, that's fine. Uh, in the galley, we learn the history of the ship. Uh, how the Japanese surrendered on the deck of the Missouri after the bombing of Hiroshima. Uh, it was also the first vessel to open fire during the Gulf War. Uh, this is an American film, so, you know, rah, rah, war. Uh, ship is being decommissioned, hence the president's visit to Honolulu, where they're docked uh, the following day. Fair amount of time spent on acknowledging the removal of Tomahawk missiles and heavy artillery from the ship, and 100% sure that won't come up again. Yeah, no, there's no chance. No. I have to mention, though, we get to see Raymond Cruz as the assistant Cook Ramirez. Um, most people are going to be like, hey, it's that guy kind of actor. Um, but he, to me anyway, is forever Tuco from Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. And honestly, it's great to see him in anything. I wish he had more screen time. 
We learned uh, there's a, okay. You don't recognize him? Mm, no. Okay, you just forget all the shit that you've seen him in because I guarantee you've seen him in a lot. Well, I mean, the two shows you referenced, I haven't seen. No, oh, I said that's for me, but he's been in everything. After we record, look it up. Well, I mean, you're doing that whole thing again where you assume that I've seen stuff. You have seen stuff. I know for a goddamn fact you have seen this man in <laughs> movies before. You just don't remember what it is, and I don't know what you've seen. Calm down. <laughs> anyway, the point is Raymond, Raymond Cruz is a great actor, and he's in a lot of movies and TV shows. Uh, we learn that there's a surprise party in the works for the captain. A helicopter is flying in, and one of the passengers is Jordan Tate, Playboy's Miss July 89. Despite objections about civilians being on the boat with nuclear weapons, which I think is a valid complaint, uh, <laughs> yeah, Krill think. <laughs> that the helicopter must land. We only see this guy once, this officer once, and I'm like, yeah, everything he is saying makes perfect sense. Like, don't bring civilians on board. We have nuclear weapons. We need to get them off of here. Also, we're going to be meeting the president. Probably a bad time for guests. Nah. No. It's nothing, you know, nothing inconspicuous going on here. Yeah. Ensign Taylor, he informs the gallery, or sorry, the galley, that they're having uh, food flown in and the galley crew must be on deck with everyone else present for the party. And none of the, none of the staff, none of the crew on here seem to respect Ensign Taylor or Krill whatsoever. No. Which I find very strange because the Navy is incredibly strict from the few people I know that have been in it, this this environment does not exist. Uh, well, we it's also a movie, get ben. exactly. I, I I forgive it because of that, but it's incredibly convenient. Um, the kitchen staff. What do you expect from them, man? They're sailors. They're just they're being military. told that their entire they're... job is going to be obsolete for this uh, dinner party. Not obs. Okay, yeah, you're you're still making your money, but instead of working, let's party. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know why they're so resistant to it, just in general, because it's like, whoa, 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 hey, I get my money, and as a night, I don't have to cook, and I get to party. Yeah, fuck you, Ensign Taylor. Yeah, and Krill. Uh, this is where we also first see uh, Ryback's proficiency with throwing knives uh also foreshadowed with his food prep skills and i thought it was actually pretty subtle because i hadn't seen this movie in a long time and i forgot about the knife fight we get later in the movie uh the captain calls on krill and reveals his knowledge of the helicopter landing and krill admits yes there's a surprise party <laughs> and asks the captain to remain in his cabin until they're ready because he wouldn't see a helicopter landing yeah, there's no solid plan here. <laughs> it's like, well, I don't remember approving a helicopter landing, which they even did reference when they were talking to to Krill earlier. Like, you gotta you gotta run this by them. Like, that's <laughs> that's not cool. And even yeah. if he didn't, it's like, look out the window. There's a helicopter. It's landing. <laughs> Do you hear that? Sounds like a massive <laughs> transport helicopter <laughs> next to my window. Yeah. If, uh, if you can't hear that, we shouldn't be retiring the missiles. We should yeah. be retiring the deaf captain. Yeah. 
Uh, it's where it makes you just want to replace the captain with uh, Lloyd Bridges from Hot Shots. I mm-hmm. don't know if you've seen that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Sen- senile senior official. I know I've seen Hot Shots Part 2. Not as good, but very funny. Yeah, I don't remember, man. Anyway, the helicopter. No, yeah, on- that's what we were talking about. On board is a blues band, food servers, and Miss July. Uh... Then a quick cut to a showdown between Krill and Ryback in the galley. Uh, the crew forced to leave, of course, to attend the party. Ryback punches Krill in the face and then is locked in the meat locker with a private left to watch him. <laughs> I love yeah. how Krill insults him. Like, oh, no wonder you're a cook. You can't punch. And it's like, dude, you're bleeding. It's a nasty gash on his face. Yeah, yeah. you got hit once, and you got a nasty gash on your face. Uh, I mean, okay, yeah, you're probably trying to save face and sound tough, but I think he can hit. Yeah, also dropping that uh, out-of-place F-bomb didn't really work. It definitely yeah. solidified him as a piece of shit, though. I mean, we already knew that. Yeah, but Busey is 100% in this role. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, too. Uh, Seagal acts the same in every movie he's in. Mm-hmm. So he's just kind of like a placeholder. I don't I don't really know. But everybody is acting their asses off around him. <laughs> they probably have to. Oh, they have to. Yeah. <laughs> Although they pick up the pace here, man. They probably loved working with him, though. They're like, I could do like half effort and still look like I deserve an Academy Award next to this guy. Yeah. Uh, Back on the helicopter, uh, we get some character building, which is nice. Uh, Jordan, Miss July, uh, is not having a time uh, getting uh, airsick. But Stranix, played by Tommy Lee Jones, 100% is having a time. Yeah, I loved this character immediately. It's impossible not to. He is so charismatic and so positive about everything. Uh, The helicopter lands. Everyone exits. Jordan gets a massive applause from the crew. Um, Naturally, I mean. Of course. Of course. Uh, Ryback, locked in the meat locker, tries to talk sense into the private. I I didn't mind these back and forths we get between the two. Um it's nothing special, but it, I don't know. No way the privateering that guy through the fridge door. Oh, fuck no. Private, <laughs> <laughs> you got shit for brains? <laughs> what? What remains? <laughs> uh, Krill and Stranix have a hilarious encounter about setting up the band, which I love. Strange just rambling on and on about like how music's my life, rock and roll's my life. Blah, blah blah. He's like, set up the band over there, over there, over there. Okay, rock and roll is my life. Just, just a good guy having a good time. He's having a party all of the time. I, I kind of wish that this band version of him was a character that was in the movie throughout. Me too. But I, I don't dislike his character throughout the film. It's just this. This performance had me smiling every time he was on screen. Yeah. I would have loved it if just like uh, Miss July, he was just like a, like another victim, another captive. And we got to 
see his positive attitude throughout this scenario. Honestly, that would be a really good B plot, man. Uh, if it was like after shit goes down, Mercs have the boat. You've got uh, Ryback doing his thing, but then you've got uh, Jordan and Billy Stranix in the band, like grouping together and trying to do their things as civilians with no military knowledge. I think that would be really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Jordan, though, she takes too many pills for her air slash seasickness and passes out. Is it too many or is it implied that she was given like not actual motion sickness t- p- uh, pills, but like sleeping pills or something? I don't know because she was supposed to take two and she took like five. So it could go either way. Um, <laughs> completely different movie. If that she would OD'd be. And took the whole <laughs> <laughs> the uh, cake. Mr. is dead in the cake. Or your Ryback kicks the cake over <laughs> and this naked woman falls over. He's like, yeah, that adds up. <laughs> that would be a different movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I love Billy Stranix and the band on stage doing their intros for the crew. Uh, Bad Billy and the Fabulous Bail Jumpers. Uh, great name. Uh, but I got to say, when we see them performing later, who the fuck is the other guy singing? I don't know. He's just there. <laughs> I don't see him on the helicopter at all. And it was like, it, it, Bad Billy, Billy Stranix, is not the singer for the band? Not always, no. He just plays harmonica and dances? Yeah, sure. I, I always found that confusing. Anyway, crew's having a blast. And, like, they're going in for massive cups of punch. I thought the punch would have been spiked or something. Honestly, I think that would have made more sense. Well, I thought immediately when they said the food is being flown in that it was going to be, like, drugged. Exactly. Not necessarily, like, to poison the crew, but, like, how better of a way than to have all this crew, like, knocked out on tranquilizers. Exactly. Um, The plan that unfolds here... I really enjoy, but it could have been tweaked so much more in a few different places. That being one of them, uh, more servers walk throughout the ship, handing out hors d'oeuvre to the crew who are still working. Uh, and then we get Krill in drag, which I have to say is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> I, Busey looks like he's having a blast. He is. He's totally having a blast. <laughs> And I like the reaction of the crew here because they all hate him and they're completely stunned seeing commanding officer Krill in drag dancing around with giant fake breasts and a wig and a skirt and everything. And they're like, well, maybe he's not such an asshole anyway. Like, okay, maybe there is a side of him that likes to have some fun. Yeah, exactly. A great way of kind of subduing the crowd and making sure that no one becomes suspicious, even though I guess there really isn't reason to. Yeah, there's um, nothing suspicious about this scene. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do like Ramirez freaking out, though, when he finds out that Ryback is locked in the meat locker, um, which we never really get back to with him. I don't know. It feels There's a few things in this movie that I feel like were written out of the script that could have actually filled out the plot a bit more. Uh, Krill and uh, Dahmer, security from the helicopter played by Colmini, 
they enter the captain's cabin. Billy Stranix asks the crowd who the highest ranking officer in the room is, then shoots him in the head upon his reveal. The servers throughout the ship whip out guns and open fire on the crew, and Krill kills the captain. That's a lot all at once. Yeah, and as soon as he asks who's the the most senior commanding officer, I'm like, well, he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the tone in the movie switches so quickly, but is done so well. Honestly, 1992 action movie, I'm impressed already. It's not just, like, a fluff piece. It, it's it's really good. Um, Ryback tries to convince the private that they're hearing gunshots and should check it out. Again, the whispers. Terrible, terrible whispers. The crew, the crew are led into rooms and the doors are then welded shut behind them. Um, I have to say the crowd control from Stranix here is absolutely terrifying. Where if any of the sailors try and break line and run... Not only will they be killed, but they will kill the person next to them. Yeah, it puts an onus on anybody who's going to try to res- like escape to yep. have a responsibility, not just for themselves anymore. Don't be a hero. <clears throat> In the captain's cabin, Krill finds a disc with missile launch codes uh, before going on a rant about the shit he's been dealing with on this ship. Uh, I love him reading the captain's report. Uh, I have the quote here. I recommend psychological evaluation before taking over his next assignment. Now, Busey is still in his drag, except he's got the wig removed, but he's got like overemphasized makeup on his face and everything and just looks over at Tommy Lee Jones at, at Stranix and goes, do I look like I need a psychological evaluation? And um, Stranix, yes. <laughs> Stranix just pauses. Not at all. Not at all. No. <laughs> I have to say right here, the music in this film is perfect. Um, The storytelling is fantastic. Um, The music building tension and unease works perfectly in this. Uh, Something I find is missing in most early nineties action films. It's normally uh, foreboding doom or rah, rah, let's go hero. And here it's actually used to increase suspense to, no matter what the scene is. Uh, Krill, Stranix, and mercenaries take over the command room, finally now in complete control of the ship. That seemed relatively easy. Do you think? Well, I mean, it was well pl- planned out, and really, the only thing they could have done to improve it was, for example, like, drugging the crew. Because then you're like, yeah, zero resistance. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Ryback's guard finally calls Krill to ask what's going on, but is reassured everything is fine. Uh, the gunshots that they thought they heard were uh, party, party poppers. poppers. Uh, mm, and how stupid are you? Very stupid. And uh, Krill's sending someone to relieve the private. And very quickly, two mercs arrive and kill a private, but Ryback kills them and escapes. Um. It's a pretty solid action scene here. I, I really enjoyed the uh, the stealthy violence. Uh, very well done. Uh, and a really cool idea for Ryback to make this homemade bomb in the microwave trick. But there's no fucking way that would work. How so? Well, it would probably explode. But his plan, where he sets the timer to the exact second 
that people are going to be in the galley that he doesn't know is actually going to happen. I think you missed a big part of this, dude. Do tell. When they go down, check in the kitchen. What does Krill say? Because all the power's out. This happens. Go check the breaker. That's a good point. So it's most likely that what Ryback did, especially easy if if you assume that the microwave is one with those old dial uh, timers, is turn the breaker off so all the power's off and then set the timer so that as soon as they put the breaker back on, because they're like, oh, we just got to turn the lights back on, it turns the microwave on as well. Mm. So what you're saying here is I'm a fucking idiot. Which... Nah, you just missed something. Oh, oh no, it's fine. I, I think there was a scene where Ryback actually said it, but you didn't catch it because it came out like, I don't need to do it. I know it's going to be up. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> There, there were know. times. There are times I had to turn up the volume, and then had like my head explode when the next person spoke. Oh, dude! I turned on the subtitles, and they were just like, "I don't know." Yeah. <laughs> subtitles just read "shrug." No, I well, totally missed that. Great catch on your part, man. Well, that makes why a lot is more it sense. That Ryback was able to climb into the ceiling when the officers were gonna come into the fridge. But he couldn't do that to escape earlier when he was just locked in there. That's a good point. Never thought about that. Because he does go up and over the door. Mm-hmm. Just break through the ceiling. I have no idea. That's a good plot hole. Anyway. The military sends an F-18 to look for the helicopter. Um, Care to explain why? <laughs> I would if I knew. Yeah. I, I, why would they do that? I, I guess... They had a record of a helicopter that wasn't scheduled? I don't know. I guess. You think they would have gotten to it before it landed, like, hours previously. Um, Ryback finds the captain's body, and Stranix's men shoot down the the F-18. Quite easily, yes. Yeah. A very interesting use of Jimi Hendrix's voodoo child here. Um, Great song the way it's used almost makes you want to root for the villains. And I think that's an interesting technique used by some directors. It's very similar to how um, they used Leonard Skinner in Con Air, where there's songs that are almost universally loved. And they play it over an event that you're supposed to despise, which minimizes your disdain for what's happening. Very smart here. And I think with Stranix being so charismatic and enjoyable, the use of the song almost makes you side more with him than Ryback. Because Ryback just kind of seems like a, a mumbling piece of shit at this point. Well, what have they done to make you want to cheer for Ryback so far? Nothing. Nothing. They've essentially just cast him in the hero role and said, root for this guy. Yeah. No. No. And they don't give us any reason to do so throughout the entire film. Stranix calls what I guess is the Pentagon's war room a war room. Uh, we learn his history of being a CIA operative who went rogue, but the CIA still hired him to do their dirty work and then tried to kill him, but failed in doing so. Uh, and the conversation here between the military and Tommy Lee Jones is amazing. His energy is top notch. His rant about 
a movement versus a revolution, how a movement stops, but a revolution comes around again. Um, it's just great for his character. But I find this can also be a major flaw for the movie. Um, in my opinion, anyway. Uh, and that's the idea of the likable villain. Like we, we never really hear about the atrocities that he's committed, but we know everything bad that the CIA has done to him. So he's funny, energetic, has been betrayed, and is reacting now. I don't recall the guy's name who was like his commanding officer in these missions mm -hmm. and things like that and tried to have him killed. Yeah. But at this moment, I'm thinking he's going to end up being a much larger villain in this. Not because he's clearly being a villain, but that he essentially put the government at jeopardy. Exactly. But they just kind of gloss over it. It never comes up. Yeah. He's just like uh, an asshole. Because even later on in the movie, another guy leans over. He's like, we'll just blame the cook. He's like, just nods. Yes. Like, yeah. For what is supposed to be a very powerful person, this guy does nothing. No. Uh, the Missouri fires one of the missiles and takes out a radar station, taking out satellite relay. Uh, and I think the next part is brilliant for their plan anyway. And that's removing steel girders from within the ship to build a rail system to unload the missiles. Uh, very smart plan for a run-of-the-mill action film. Well, and here's the other thing that <clears throat> plays into that theory about this government guy. Because he says that they sent him in to decommission the sub. Mm -hmm. And he's like, did they? Oh, yeah, they absolutely did. And then but you see the sub. And it's like, okay, okay, well, why are you setting this up if you're not going to go back to it? It's also showing that the CIA knew that it fucked up and that Stranix, not only did he not sink the sub, but stole it. Yeah. I, why, why would they be surprised that he would attack something like the Missouri at this point? So... Why build this subplot with this guy? That could very well be part that was taken out because it feels like he should be a much larger part of the movie, and he just isn't. No. And it would be fine if they didn't, like, tease all of this stuff, but they build it up, and then they just do nothing with it. Yeah. Uh, something that is kind of cool is the uh, the crew that are trapped in the forecastle, uh, the forecastle, the bow of the ship, uh, try pounding up Morse code on the ship's walls, which I think is really smart. Um, because it's not just for anybody to be passing by, but for any submarine that may be in the area. Don't ask me why there would be one there, but that's something that they would be able to pick up rather easily. Mm -hmm. um, Ryback enters the mess hall, I guess, or wherever the party was being held, uh, just in time for Jordan to pop out of the cake and start her striptease. Uh, Erica Olaniak plays Jordan Tate. Not the first choice for the role, apparently. No? No. Uh, Pamela Anderson was first choice. Uh, she went in for a reading of the script, supposedly, and it almost turned into a weird casting couch scenario where somebody who whispers a lot was trying to get pretty touchy-feely. And the story goes, Anderson shot him down immediately and was told there's a girl across the hall who will get that role then. 
Anderson doesn't get the role. Olaniac does. But she says that Steven Seagal didn't do anything uh, to her. Now, you talk to other people who were working on the film, especially uh, script editors. They're saying that he was pushing really hard for them to have a sex scene in the movie. I'm like, this this is the Steven Seagal I believe to be real. Just a really greasy, slimy dude. What a piece of garbage. Right? That's our hero. <clears throat> he ain't my hero. Not my hero. Uh, War Room banter again. Stranix was sent to sink the... Su- okay, this is what we were talking about earlier. The North Korean submarine said he stole it. Uh, the plan is to load the missiles onto the sub and make an escape from the Missouri. All right, we get the Jordan Tate locker scene. Oh, I should also say, uh, Erica Olaniak, also on Baywatch, much like Pamela Anderson. Well, um, I mean, ba- based on the story you told when Pamela Anderson said, oh, well, there's a girl across the hall then, I was like, well, maybe they know each other from Baywatch. Yeah. Olaniak, uh, also Playboy's Miss July of 89 in real life. Oh, Okay. Uh, and there was also another character on Baywatch named Jordan Tate, which is just <laughs> odd. But anyway, I, I did the, not know all of these details. <laughs> the Jordan locker scene where Ryback stuffs her in the locker and tells her to be quiet. And she just starts pounding on the door. <laughs> yeah. And then we get the line of, I hate being alone. And Ryback, our, our lovable hero just goes, do you hate being dead? It's an odd question. Probably. I don't know. <laughs> this guy sucks. He's terrible. Uh, but of course, they fucking team up. Anyway, Krill and Stranix find the dead mercs in the galley. Krill states Ryback is just a cook, but Stranix knows he's a professional based off of the way these men were killed. And this is where the microwave bomb goes off. Um... SEAL Team 5 are sent to take over the ship. Fine. This doesn't even need to happen because they don't play a role at all in the movie. Do they ever make it? No, they almost make it. They can see the ship, but are taken out before they can even land. Where are they coming from? Mars? I would assume California. Because the ship is headed from Honolulu to San Francisco. There's no way they didn't get there fast. (laughs) I know, I know. Uh, Krill finds Ryback's file revealing that Ryback is a decorated Navy SEAL. Yeah. That shouldn't surprise him at all based off of what he's already seen. Yeah, whatever. I find that the the villains are actually getting more screen time than the hero is. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. And there's a reason for that. Seagal can't act. No, he can't act at all. And you've got two powerhouses like Busey and Jones. Okay, settle down, powerhouse Busey. <laughs> oh, screw you, man. Powerhouse <laughs> Busey forever. He's great, but I'm not giving him the powerhouse moniker. Of energy and charisma and presence on screen? You've got to be kidding me. Oh, man, I think I hit a sore spot. Yeah, definitely did. These two are <laughs> fantastic together. <laughs> Give me a mo- give me under siege from an alternate perspective where these two are the heroes and that that trumps this one for me. These two are great together. A perfect casting, perfect. Uh, Ryback hits the deck of the ship and contacts the war room with a satellite phone. They tell him to just do recon, and then he tells him Krill is in on it, and 
only now do they realize that Stranix is in control of the ship? Why would they not assume that earlier when they were talking to him? Or when they shot down an F-18? Yeah, right? Well, Ryback blows up the helicopter. I don't know why. Stopping their escape, but they're not really going anywhere. And Jordan's captured, but of course Ryback saves her immediately and they escape. And even though it's a yada 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 scene, it is, in fact, a very solid action scene. Uh, my favorite part, I do have to say, I don't know if you caught this, but uh, you know when they're... Uh, when Ryback and Jordan go back inside the ship and he closes the door and takes the pin of the grenade and puts it behind the wheel. As mm -hmm. soon as that door opens and uh, the grenade explodes, one dude just gets smacked with that door and goes flying off screen. I love how Stranix even tells them, like, don't follow him. Yeah. A little late, St but... Uh... Stranix is a smart villain, man. Yeah. Uh, Krill formulates a plan to drown the crew in the foc'sle, which should force Ryback to try and save them. Also Diabolical. A yeah, it's great, though. And I love how even <clears throat> even um, uh, Stranix is like, you're gonna drown your own crew? <laughs> He's like, yeah, they didn't like me much anyway. And you hear uh, Cole Meany off screen go, sure, they love you now. Yeah, oh, that was so good. I love how Ryback tells or talks to Jordan like she's supposed to know everything that's happened as well. Completely forgetting the fact that she's been passed out in a fucking cake. Yeah. Look at these. They're building a railing system to offload the missiles. Be like, missiles? The fuck are you talking about? What's going on? <laughs> I like, hate I, how he talks to her throughout like this entire movie. Even he the talks first to her time like he's she's like, an idiot. Yeah. I'm gonna give you this gun. It has a switch. One of them is fully automatic. It's like, this is way too long of an explanation. And just shut up. You have a terrified actress surrounded by gunfire and dead bodies. Don't talk to her like she's an idiot. Like, she's fucking traumatized already, and you're making things worse. Well, see, the thing you don't know is that's Steven Seagal's attempt at acting sympathetic. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see him attempt acting acting in the first place um ryback frees some of the crew members from uh, one of the welded rooms it's some of his uh galley crew which is good um and now we have a team of eight people working together uh they take out the ship's weapon systems which i don't entirely understand how because there's like a 30 minute delay on it did you yeah. catch that yeah it's like we cut off the power and it has like a backup generator that's gonna last 30 minutes i don't know yeah i missed that altogether. Um, Krill uses the ship's monitors and speakers to show Ryback the foc'sle being flooded uh, and of course the guys all arm up and head out to the bow uh, but how does Jordan know how to load a mag into an Uzi and turn into a complete badass in this one scene oh, because he told her about a firing rates gun on one gun together. anyway we, I we love do how get... the crew even says to, to Ryback you know it's a trap and he's like yep but they're expecting me, not us. Like, so you're leading us in to get killed. <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> no. <laughs> you get your whispery ass down there and get yourself killed. We're going to come up with another plan, you son of a bitch. Uh, I'll, tell it I'll tell you what. You go in first, and if you need help, call to us. Can you imagine? Right. We got your back. He walks out. They close the door and lock it. <laughs> You're on your own, Casey! 
You Your go phone in. Sucks. You go in, and if you need help, you just call to us. And they can't hear him because he's whispering. I really need your help. Guys, <laughs> I'm lumbered. I'm just a cook. <laughs> Sorry, what's that? I'm just a cook. You're a cuck? <laughs> cook. It's getting pretty hairy out here. What? There's a lot of people. <laughs> yes, okay. Very good. Best of luck. Anyway, it is a really decent shootout uh, as the heroes make their way to the bow. Uh, and we get another call to the war room mid-shootout. They tell Ryback to do whatever he can to ensure the arrival of the SEALs. We get one of my favorite deaths in this movie next. The girder death. Do you remember that one? Where there's a guy at the bottom of the stairs and there's uh, one of the um, shorn girders hanging from a rope that they were pulling to the uh, ship's deck. And Casey just drops it on him and just goes straight through him as wicked blood and gore in a movie that really hasn't had that much yet. Yeah. But after that, we get one of my absolute favorite parts of the movie. It's like a minute and 10 or a minute, an hour, 10 minutes and a few seconds in. And now tell me if you noticed this, uh, Casey Ryback and Jordan are, are walking through part of the ship and they're passing, uh, stairwell or no they're they come up on a stairwell and a guy one of the mercs runs out uh turns to shoot but casey shoots him and the guy falls to the bottom of the stairs and dies and as they're passing the stairs another guy runs out through the same door and casey turns and shoots him and the guy falls down the stairs and dies it's the same fucking actor (laughs) i did not catch that it's the exact same actor, and he's very distinguishable because he has a very shitty mustache. He's the only one that does. <laughs> they used the same guy dying twice in a row, which leads me to believe the editors are like, fuck it. <laughs> uh, Ryback knives the hell out of a bunch of mercs. Uh, action on point yet again. Uh and it's shit like this scene why I think Seagal really could have been a bigger star. But, man, did it, that, that career just tanked so hard. Piece of shit. Anyway, Stranix panics over the... <laughs> Stranix panics over the loss of the weapon system. Uh, submarines now arrived and takes out SEAL Team 5 in the helicopter with a rocket. Uh, it seemed pretty mashed together, but somehow they... Decently built tension here. And Ryback makes a bomb out of an artillery shell and a grenade, climbs down the anchor chain into the ocean, and dismantles part of the sub with it, stopping it from being able to submerge. But one thing I do like here is that the mercs actually spot him and manage to injure him with grappling hooks. Now, I get like them spotting him and like just shooting the water, and, and it never seems to really work in movies. But the visual of men standing on top of the submarine, whipping grappling hooks at the water, and then pulling out a chunk of his wetsuit is pretty intense. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. It looked great. Uh, But of course, it's Steven Seagal, so he's fine. He makes it back to the ship's deck, but is almost killed by Dahmer until Jordan saves the day in another badass moment. I don't know what flip switched in her, but okay. Yeah, and then, you know, because earlier she says she has two rules. 
She doesn't kill. So I guess or a no, is a, have. doesn't uh, date musicians. Date musicians and doesn't like guns. Or no, it doesn't kill. You're right. Yeah. And then after she kills this guy, Seagal's like, next thing I know, I'm going to turn around and you'll be dating a musician. Be like, shut up, Casey. It's like, <laughs> just shoot funny. him next. <laughs> yeah. Throws him back overboard. Let her goes be back, the hero. Goes back, to, goes back to the guys. You're like, yeah, I think they got him. But it's uh, just us now. So uh, let's formulate uh, what's that thing that he didn't have. Oh, yeah, a plan. <laughs> <laughs> She'd be a far better hero. Yeah, she would. That would be a great character arc. Can you imagine they like kill off the hero halfway through and it's just a civilian who has to step up? I'd be totally fine with it if they didn't even have to kill him off. But that grappling hook severely injures him, and he has yeah. to spend the rest of the movie on comms telling her what to do. That'd be perfect. I'd be so happy if she became the lead of this movie, uh, if she knew how to act. Well, I think I'd be happy if anybody else was the lead of this movie. Raymond Cruz. They bring in cue ball. All he did was come in and dance a couple times. That's true. But Ramirez, man. Ramirez should have sure. taken the lead. Even the, I forget his name, but the, the guy who does laundry, who was like, I'm going to marry Jordan Tate and didn't want to go and do the rescue mission. It doesn't know how guns work. Anybody, any, any yeah. one of them. So Stranick's plan now is to nuke Honolulu. I guess. Do we get a reasoning for that? I believe that the war room that he is talking to is on Hawaii. It is. Okay. I didn't know. And I just assumed it was somewhere like the Pentagon, but okay. We'll go with that. Uh, they get the weapon systems back online. Somehow. So, yeah, there's no explanation. Just no. whoever the guy is, I forget his name, that's the smart one that's with Stranix is like, oh, they disabled it. They're smarter than I am. And Stranix yeah, holds a gun uh, to him and says, Pitt. well, hmm? Pitt is his name. Ah. And Stranix just holds a gun to him and says, like, fix it. And then he does. Yep. Cool. Um, the sub with Krill on board uh, gets fixed and leaves with some of the missiles, but Ryback and crew manage to take it out with the ship's guns. Uh, that seemed kind of rushed and didn't really fit the rest of the movie for me. But we do get some amazing acting from Tommy Lee Jones here when he walks it onto the deck when he sees the guns moving. And as they fire, he's blown backwards and he's grabbing at his ears, almost deaf. Yeah, uh, Tommy Lee Jones is fantastic. Also, the reaction from Busey in the sub when he realizes right after the gun fires that they're going to die. The look on his face is great. Um, Stranix like, stumbles his way back to the control room where we get a crazy rant about Saturday morning cartoons before he fires two missiles at Hawaii. He's completely unhinged at this point now. I love it. Just watching him go crazy is amazing. Uh, Ryback and the crew stand on the ship's deck admiring their work. Sure, but why is no one shooting at them? They didn't kill everybody. There's a bunch of mercenaries on the ship still. So if they can fire those guns, then stand next to the guns, you would assume there'd be other mercenaries on the deck of the ship. Nah. No. Jets are sent to shoot down the missiles. Uh, the disarmament codes are uh, disarmament codes are on the disc that is on the Missouri. 
we get another wicked fight here with Seagal and his action scenes are good. I can't say they aren't, but I don't think we need him to do the Swayze throat rip. That's a Swayze original and he doesn't do it nearly as well. (laughs) 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 Only Dalton can do this, not Ryback. Um, He wasn't supposed to do it. It was in the, it wasn't in the script. He actually murdered the guy. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, you know what? I'm tired of not being able to speak above an octave. I'm going to take this guy's throat out as revenge. (laughs) Now you talk like me. (laughs) Or you don't because you're dead. (laughs) Uh, Next up, confrontation between Stranix and Ryback. And this made me slightly confused, but very curious. Um, The exchange of lines, Ryback saying, you look familiar. I know you, don't I? And Stranick says, I think you do. It's been a long time. And Ryback going, yes, sir. Been a long time. I don't understand. Is he supposed to be the guy that he punched? I don't know. Because I know they say that before he essentially got like whatever, demoted to cook or whatever. However they said it, I forget. That there was bad intel that caused him to lose his entire platoon. And when he got back, he punched the commanding officer who gave them the bad intel. Are we supposed yeah. to assume that that's him? I I I don't know. I want I want to know. I because- I want that story. I really want to know what happened there. That's a wicked part of two characters of the movie that would make all of this make sense. So, but then wouldn't Stranix know his name? Yeah. And that's another thing too. So that can't be the case. So what is their connection? Because they've know. never seen each other, to our knowledge, the best of our knowledge right now. These two have never met, but now they have. So where did their stories intersect? Like that, that, that sounds, it's interesting, man. I want to know. But we don't, we don't find out. What we get instead is, I would argue, the best fight in the movie. Uh, a really wicked knife fight. Uh, which results in Stranix's eye being poked in, uh, uh, gets a knife in the skull, and Ryback throwing him headfirst through a monitor. Come on, Stranix. He should have taken him. I don't like how Stranix was treated in this fight, how the character was treated, because he's supposed to be a badass rogue, and Ryback fucks him up with almost no retaliation. Like, Stranish is just getting cut, slashed every time, gets thrown over the table, gets his eye jabbed in, knife to the head, thrown through a monitor, and Ryback gets like a cut. They really made Stranix look weak when he seems to be anything but. Anyway, the Jets take out one of the missiles, but uh, completely miss the other one, and Ryback uses a code from the disc and disables the last one, then releases the rest of the ship's crew and saves the day in a very fast wrap-up. Everyone celebrates on the ship's deck as they enter San Francisco Bay. We get a brief shot of everyone in uniform for the ship's decommission, roll credits, and movie. (laughs) When he's getting the disabling codes from the office, and he goes to read them back, he'd be like, did I read that back correctly? What? (laughs) I didn't hear anything. (laughs) <laughs> it's bad I don't like that ending at all <clears throat> but like the it, pretty well directed <laughs> movie man for Pardon the most it. part 
it's a pretty well directed film. There's only uh, one big glaring issue with this movie. And what's that? <laughs> the, the, the protagonist. I don't know what you're talking about. Honestly, this movie could have been phenomenal if you cast somebody good in the lead. Yeah. Yeah, it really could have been a fantastic, like, five-star action film. And honestly, even with Seagal as the lead, I'd still say it's, like, I'd give it a four out of five. I mean, it's solid because of everybody else in it. Yeah, Even Erica Olaniac I mean, and, and her, I, I, I want to say bad acting. It could just be the character itself. But she seemed kind of weak in the movie. But that also added to the rest of the characters in the film. So no, she I think it like she played more of a part than he did. Super easy to find a better cast for this. Mm. You're not going to recast uh, Busey and Jones, are you? No, no, no. Just recasting the lead. Okay, yeah, yeah, for sure. But maybe uh, like uh, Willis. No, you yeah. picture you picture Bruce Willis as like a Navy SEAL. Yeah, I think that the whole no. idea is <clears throat> you show up and you start this movie, and you can say what you want about Steven Seagal, but he's not a little guy compared to the rest of the cast. You see him as the cook, and you're like, that's not just a cook. You need somebody that looks a little more unassuming. I guess, yeah. I don't know. I think this could have been a great vehicle for like a lesser known actor. Yeah. Because you look at the big ones like Arnold. Yeah. Arnold, the cook. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, Van Damme. No way. I'm, I mean, I'm just thinking somebody with a smaller stature. Yeah. That would make sense too. Uh, do you know Kane Hodder was in this movie? No. Yeah. Really? Apparently he's credited as a commando. I didn't see him once. Hmm. Um, but the director, Andrew Davis, does have some pretty fun action movies under his belt. Like he did The Final Terror, Above the Law, The Fugitive, Chain Reaction, Collateral Damage. I'm pretty sure his work with Tommy Lee Jones on this movie led to Jones being cast in The Fugitive. And that movie's fantastic. Just trying now, to think who would have been a better casting choice for the lead. You're going to have to ruminate on that one for a while. I can't think of anybody myself right now. Please. Keanu Reeves. I'd take Keanu Reeves. Sure. Why not? Yeah, it's not that bad. It's not a bad idea. I mean, this is the same time as like uh, Point Break, right? Yeah. Fucking get Swayze. <laughs> Swayze. Perfect. Swayze. I would have loved it with Swayze. Yeah. Patrick Swayze is Casey Ryback. I don't care who. Like, he could have been like uh, an Emilio Estevez. A well, let's not go crazy here. Dennis Leary. I don't care. Dennis Leary? Sure. Why not? <sighs> The monkey yeah, from the MVP movies. Airbud. Airbud! Sure. <laughs> he speaks louder than Seagal. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised at some point to see a movie where a golden retriever fights Gary Busey. <laughs> you could get you could get Is McQueen. Is McQueen. Comes out of retirement. That'd be great. Whoa, Gary Daniels. I'm Gary Daniels would have been fine. Well, but then he wouldn't go on to do Firepower the following year. Yeah, you're right. We can't have that. We need to keep that treasure. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, like, uh, if he did Under Siege, he'd be way too big to do Firepower. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> William Zabka! <laughs> what was he Billy doing? Billy Zabka, do it! What was he doing in 92? I don't know! I don't know. <laughs> um... What did you think of the script for the movie? I thought I mean, it was 
All right. <clears throat> for for a 90s action movie, honestly, everything was fine. There was plot holes for sure. There was a lot of no explanations. Like, why did this happen? Just because. And that's fine. Know what you're going out for. You're not trying to get some sort of, like, masterpiece in regards to writing. Yeah. The only issue was the lead. He couldn't carry do, this. I have to say, the writer, this is probably his, like, peak. Written by J.F. Lawton who also wrote Cannibal Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death, Pretty Woman, <laughs> Chain Reaction, also directed by Andrew Davis, who directed this movie, the Dead or Alive uh, video game adaptation, and is a co-creator of the TV show VIP with Pamela Anderson. I don't Did a pretty know. good job with this movie. Honestly, like the movie as a whole is solid enough for what it is. Just like what would it even be made if they didn't have Steven Seagal? Uh, it had been in production or a te- like pre production for a very long time. I think they uh, they were just trying to like build up a new star that they could start doing franchises with. Uh, care to talk money? Um, sure. Uh, this is a big movie. Okay, real quick. Sorry. I got it. You replace Steven Seagal with Carl Weathers. No. Big, but not big. Like, not too big, but big. Oh, come on. Think about how good he was in Action Jackson. Yeah, he was great in Action Jackson. He could have been good in this. I mean, he wouldn't be bad. I don't know if he really fits the character, though. Why not? I don't know. I just don't see it. A former Navy... Seal who is a cook. I don't I don't see the issue here. But the character like Carl Weathers has a great personality. The the way this character is written would mute that. So he would just be an emotionless asshole. I don't think so. I think a lot of that emotionless asshole garbage was because Seagal couldn't do any actual acting. I think, I think- that if you put Carl Weathers in there, they would have had a little bit more capability of putting some depth and character and humor and personality into the lead, which would have made you actually like the lead. I think you could, I I could see Bill Duke for sure. Yeah. I think Bill Duke would be pretty good, Uh, but I would also like to see an older Ryback, like obviously a guy who's been in the military or the Navy for a very long time who's seen a bunch of crazy shit. Like, Steven Seagal looks like he's still in his prime here, and he's done way too much in a short amount of time for it to be believable. Give me somebody older, like... Uh, I, yeah, like I was saying, Bill Duke, or even, like, Rucker Hauer, I think would be okay. David Carradine. I don't care. It's David Carradine. David Hasselhoff. I would let's watch recast, that. Let's recast everybody from Baywatch in this movie. I, you know what? I would watch this movie with David Hasselhoff in the lead. Mickey Rourke. Sure. Is McQueen. Is McQueen. I'm fine with any of these choices. I think it really goes to show just how disappointing Seagal is in this movie. I'm sure he'll be your favorite character when we get to awards, right? I don't... I don't care. Give me a comedy actor. Put in John Lithgow or Richard Dreyfus. I don't care. I'm watching this more. <laughs> Acting uh, Dana Carvey. 
Sure. Mike Myers. No. <laughs> the only person worse than Steven Seagal for this role is Mike Myers. Oh, man. But yeah, guess uh, guess the budget. <sighs> 20 million. 35. I think that's low for what we see on the screen. Do you think it was a success? No. Oh, it was. No. Yeah. Okay. What? Uh, what's the gross? What did you say the actual budget was? 35 mil. 35. And you said it was a success? Oh, yeah. Taking marketing into account, uh, 80. 156.6 million. No, 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 no. (laughs) Uh, That's good. It's not. It's not. It's not. Okay. I mean, good for the other actors in the movie. If they get like a payday based on sales and or gross, fine. But Tommy Lee Jones got the fugitive because of this movie. Yeah. And he deserves it. Fuck. Yeah, he does. He's amazing. This is where we find out he's actually also a piece of shit in real life. I don't want that. No, I don't want that either. Yeah, no, no. Uh, Ratings, Sandro. Good old IMDB out of 10. What do you think? 6.4. 6.5. Oh, shit. Oh, man. Well done. Uh, Tomato meter. Uh, I'm going to say lower. 57. 79. No, 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 no. Audience score. 57. 62. No. Wow. I don't think you like this movie. I do, though. Well, let's let's get into awards, and then we'll talk about our our overall opinion. Fine, fine, fine. Who did you have for worst character? Casey Ryback. 110 percent casey ryback (laughs) is a garbage character in a great movie yeah and it's not just seagal's performance the character is not written well which makes no sense when you look at the rest of the movie the supporting cast like ramirez is so much more likable than casey ryback and has maybe 30 seconds of screen time yeah he could have been the lead Exactly. That's what I was saying. This is one of those cases where it's absolutely not just the actor. Because, yes, there was some writing issues. But I feel like Steven Seagal had some influence on how this character was written, how it was performed. I guarantee you there was some improving because he just (laughs) didn't like the script of how it was written. Seagal wrote his own lines. Right? I mean... Maybe the director couldn't even hear what he was saying and was like, I guess that's what we wrote. I don't know. Like, we'll wait for sound editing. Like, Got to uh, turn up the volume on Steve. But it is absolutely one of the easiest, worst character picks I've ever had. Yeah, Because sure. it isn't just one of those, oh, because of the acting or because of the... No, it's all of it. I love all how this applies sucks. to both least favorite character or just worst character. Because... Definitely least favorite, but you look at everyone, by far the worst. Yeah, and also, if it was the old Worst Performance Award, Seagal would have won that anyway. Yeah. Uh, Favorite character? Okay, this is just stupidly easy. It's Tommy Lee Jones as William Stranix. Yeah. He had, as the villain, he had the most depth. He had amongst the most charisma on screen. Not in the same kind of goofy way that Busey did, 
But I mean, there was so much to this character. He played a fantastic, just like upbeat, like musician that really could throw people off at the beginning and then ultimately became this diabolical mastermind. Yeah. But it's even fa- that I, mastermind I had some levels because when Busey wants to go and drown his entire crew, even Stranix is like, really? Like, you yeah. don't even, like, even as a villain, you don't have like a moral compass somewhere here? Yeah, you see two really cool extremes with Stranix. When he's acting, being super bubbly, energetic, happy party band dude, and then super dark criminal mastermind who's not afraid to kill anybody. It's just, he's, Tommy Lee Jones is perfect in this movie. Um, I love Stranix. And he's only made better when he's paired up with Krill, like with Busey. I find it very much like... um, Lapaglia and Arkin in Axe Murderer, how I really enjoy one and I enjoy the other. You put them together and it's a wicked package deal. Because Busey on his own, I love Gary Busey, you know this. But he's he's doing well. But when you pair him up with Tommy Lee Jones, it's like it elevates him somehow. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Memorable line. Nothing really stuck out to me from previous viewings until the the last one wait i'm going first right yeah yeah okay um when stranix and Dahmer find the uh the the merc who was killed with the girder <laughs> stranix just goes Dahmer, Dahmer, Dahmer. why didn't you hire this person i don't know what his price would have been but it would have been worth it yeah, that was a good line. I remember. It that is one. a good line, but there's there's a lot of good lines. I just don't think there's a lot of great memorable lines. What did you put? <laughs> Mine was easy, and I hate that you brought it up while we were talking because it is Busey in half drag. When oh, he's yeah. like, "Do I look like I need a psychological evaluation?" And it's just like I'm not going to forget that. Yeah, I mean, you got to take the. Uh, the drag connotation out of context here because uh, that does not work today, but it's the, the look on his face. He looks insane. Yes. And you know, obviously it's not just cause he's in drag, but yeah. it is also like, you got to see the context of the scene because he's flipping out reading this like report of his mental stability. Oh, he's already snapped at this point. It's it's a great scene and a great line. That's a good pick, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, memorable scene. I have nothing written down. No? Nope. I have two. I, and that's from two different periods of my life. I honestly tried thinking of what I would put down for most memorable scene. And I got nothing, man. Okay, I'll just go ahead then. Uh, younger me would say Erica Elenia coming out of the cake. Okay, yeah. Because I saw this movie in elementary school and I'm like, what the fuck's going on now? Uh, today, it's... <laughs> I don't know what this is, but I like it. Yeah. Um, today, it's, it's Stranix's death scene. And not for a good reason. Because like I said, I feel like they really shit on the character they were building up the entire movie by having his ass kicked so easily and then just 
murdered repeatedly in like a couple of seconds. Um, it really took the wind out of the sail and a, a, a protagonist beating the antagonist should make you feel good. But it was the opposite for me. I felt like they, he got the short end of the stick. It should have been a much more um, even fight with, of course, Ryback coming out on top. But it felt like after spending an hour and 42 minutes or so with Stranix, they just kind of tossed the character aside as if he wasn't a threat at all, even though they told us for the entire time that he was. It just, it doesn't sit with me well and I can't shake it. So that's why that's a memorable scene for me. Okay. I, I guess maybe the only one that I could potentially have as a shout out was when they did pull out the the hook with his part of his wetsuit on it. Yeah, um, that's good. Like that was a great visual for an action movie in general. But yeah. honestly, a few weeks from now, I don't know if I'll remember much of anything in this movie. Yeah, that was a very unique scene that you don't really get in action movies. I think the only thing you could really compare it to is uh, uh, Bruce Willis in Die Hard having to like bandage up his bare feet after walking through the glass. Oh, fantastic. Iconic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just that where you see like, okay, like our guy is getting pretty beat up here. Well, because he's not a perfect hero, right? Exactly. But you watch this movie, and at the end of it, Ryback's like not even got a scratch on him. Yeah, just the the cut from the knife and uh, the what's going to be a massive scar on his back. Yeah, like you watch so, other action movies of the time, Stallone and and Schwarzenegger movies, they're at least hurt. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean. I think of Stallone at the end of the Rocky movies. He's usually got a bloody lip and a fat eye. Like, fuck! Could you imagine a conversation between Stallone and Seagal? <laughs> the the mumble versus the whisper. Yeah, it would be the most confusing thing to fucking decipher in the world. Okay, okay. So you recast not uh, Ryback. You keep him as Seagal, but you recast Stranix as Stallone. <laughs> Do I look like I need psychological evaluation? No, no, no. You keep Busey in there. What are you? What's wrong with you, man? I guess. <clears throat> so what you're telling me is you're not going to watch Under Siege 2 Dark Territory. Wasn't even the lead recast in the second one? No. No? Yeah, no, I'm not watching it. I don't, Seagal. I don't think I want to ever watch another Seagal movie again. But this time it's on a train. I don't care. It has Kurtwood Smith. Oh, I do like Kurtwood Smith, though. And Everett McGill, who played the uh, werewolf priest in Silver Bullet. Uh, he was pretty good, actually. Catherine Heigl, Eric Bogosian as the villain. He's good. Again, they cast decent actors around Seagal. It's because they have to. <laughs> like, you, you can't have him actually just carry a movie. No, you can't. He, he sucks. Like, when I was a kid and I loved action movies, I was a big fan of all of them. The Arnolds, the Van Dams, the the Stallones, all of them. And I never got into Seagal. I just didn't get it. I didn't care. Yeah, no. I didn't know how he was something. I, I enjoyed some of his movies. But when you start getting a shit like On Deadly Ground, you're like, mm. But was... I, I would like to let you know. 
that as of uh, November of last year, it was announced that they're uh, rebooting the film series. What film series? Under Siege. A new lead, though, right? It's HBO Max, so I don't think they have a working relationship with Old Fat Seagal. Could, oh my god, Old Fat Seagal. Yes, do that. I've seen like one other Seagal movie. I don't even remember which one it is, and I hated it. And I'm good. All right, that's fine. Okay, what are your what are your closing thoughts on Under Siege, man? Oh, this movie's fucking awesome. It's great. I love everything about it, and that includes ripping on Seagal's performance. Um, I'm really, really glad to cover this now. I I will take any excuse to watch this movie again. I think it's a blast. And watching Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Busey ham it up and visibly having fun together on screen brings a smile to my face, which is kind of weird because of the villains, but absolutely hilarious. And you don't see that kind of energy in film anymore, I don't think. Uh, it's very much an early 90s action thing where you're allowed to be over the top and larger than life and still be menacing. And now you have to be dark and terrorizing and all this nonsense. It's uh, it's a bygone era of the uh, action villain, uh, which I sadly miss. But the action is top-notch. The writing, strong and weak in different areas. But overall, it puts, you know, it puts together a really good story. It's an hour 42 minutes, hour 43 minutes, which, I mean, you could probably trim it down to 90 and I wouldn't complain. But it's fine. It's a lot of fun. And I totally recommend this movie to anybody who likes action films. It is a time capsule for sure, so don't go in expecting like the Avengers or anything. But it's a it's a really fun one location action film. You? So I, I do like this movie, and it's for every reason other than my ranting about Seagal. They really do bring together a fantastic cast. They have a decent plot for an action movie that I would have just lapped up as a kid. Yeah. If there was a better lead without even question, like easily. That being said, even with Seagal in the role, I didn't mind watching the movie. It was just kind of more of a waiting until his scenes were done to get to the good stuff type of like mentality. So mm -hmm. I would recommend the movie, but it's just with the most awkward asterisks I've ever had in an yeah. interviewing. Yeah, Th this movie feels better than it should yes and it should be better than it is what like it's a good movie that could be a great movie if it had a decent lead even a halfway decent lead i think would have pushed this one to potentially like top action movies of the 90s lists yeah yeah a movie like this should just be mildly entertaining when you look at it uh from afar but you do see the the strength in not just the acting of the supporting cast but like the cinematography the music which i've talked about before is fantastic and you're like this is much better than it should be and then you're stunted with seagal and yeah the replacement of that one actor and you're right this could have been i mean it was a success this could be a massive success this could be a successful franchise based off of just that movie alone with a single recasting yep well, I'm glad okay. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm sorry that it was a Seagal movie, but at least you got 
the Busey Jones duo. I don't regret watching it. I'll say okay. that. I, yeah. and, and again, it is a good movie, despite everything I've said. It just, it's just, it's just anchored by one bad role. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, that's our thoughts on Under Siege. If you guys want to share your thoughts, you can always hit us up on social media. We are on Twitter at BS Bargain Bin, Facebook.com slash BS Bargain Bin. And you can even now hit up the brand new website, bsbargainbin.com. Yeah. Comments there require a free account on WordPress. However, you can reach out to us there. There is a there is a, a, a contact us box as well. And of course, the YouTube comment section. Okay, next month is our August fan pick. Ben, can you let us know what we're watching for that? Well, we dodged a bullet yet again. And uh, Craig, stop. Stop it. <laughs> no, I'm really excited, man, because uh, next week we're going to be talking 1995's Tommy Boy. Holy shnikes. Is that for me? No, son, that's for me. Yeah! <laughs> You know, a lot of people go to college for seven years. I know. They're called doctors. There's always has been, always will be a family firm. Oh, son of a... Someday my son will run it. Luke. Luke. I am your father. Hello. Aw, I've interrupted happy time. That's my name! Yeah, that's your new office now. Whoa! Do we really want to put the future of the company in Tommy's hands? Promise me you'll look after Tommy boy here till he gets his feet wet. Sure, and thanks for choosing me. Hey, Tommy, this is not a vacation for me. I'm out here against my will, so the least you can do is pretend to work. Ugh, I can actually hear you getting fatter. All right, it's sale time, so remember, we don't take... No for an answer. No. Okie dokie. I'm gonna pass. Gotcha, thanks. Oh, son of a... That's gonna leave a mark. Okay, let's check you out. All right. <laughs> it's a clip on. Huh? <laughs> Hi, are you sure? <laughs> He's a big dumb animal, isn't he, folks? No, son of a... What'd you do? I'm a maniac, maniac on the fall. Did you eat a lot of paint chips when you were a kid? <laughs> Why? Until next week, have a good one. All the best, guys.